If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hey, the official Colts podcast is back. We're on the road in Philadelphia. We took the show on the road. We're taking it on the road. We're in a hotel lobby somewhere in Philadelphia. Are we South Philly? Are we North Philly? I don't know. What do you call this? We're in downtown I don't know. Philly? Are we allowed to d- divulge? I don't know. We're somewhere in Philadelphia, the team <laughs> hotel. It is fantastic. And uh, we're on the road, brought to you by WinBet on a Tuesday following joint practices between the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles. These two teams are going to get together on Thursday night as well in the preseason finale. I'm Matt Taylor, joined by J.J. Stangovitz, Lara Overton. And as we said, this is the Philly cheesesteak. I almost said cheesecake, but cheesesteak edition <laughs> There is of a cheesecake factory That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. But how many cheesesteaks have you had so far, Lara? I have had one very massive cheesesteak already. Massive. Right. Oh, massive. We're going to so, get to this in the end. I, so, I want to know the the proper condiments. Like girth and so listen, listen. If you really want to know the proper condiments and uh, accoutrements to go on your Philly cheesesteak, go listen to the person behind the pads podcast. I did with yes. Franklin where he explains he, it. He explains it, and then yeah. I was like, "See, I just thought it was, you know, steak and cheese whiz." And he looked at me like I was an idiot. I literally <laughs> said it on the podcast. You're looking at me like I'm an idiot right now, and uh, he he schooled me on it, uh, and I learned something. And you could probably learn something then too. Well, save that for the end because I want to know the proper etiquette. I want to know the proper places to go and what you need on it, what you don't need on it, because maybe I've been eating cheesesteaks all uh, wrong for about 35 years, but we'll find out. All right, coming up, we're busy today. As we said, recapping the Colts' joint practice with the Eagles, looking ahead of those roster battles, because the roster cut, there's only one now, that roster cut is coming up on Tuesday, next Tuesday, 4 o'clock Eastern time. Every team in the NFL, including the Colts, has to go from 90 players to 53. So we'll talk about some roster battles. Also, we're loaded in terms of interviews. Good stuff. Colts defensive end, Quiddy Pay is going to join us going into year number three. And, Lair, we have a chat with longtime NFL reporter, analyst, and all-around good person, Susie Colbert. She hosted the Colts kickoff luncheon, gave us a few minutes, class act. She's just phenomenal. Yeah. She really is. And she was so great in terms of sharing, you know, her perspective, especially, you know, her knowledge of Coach Steichen having covered him previously when he was with Philadelphia, timely to where we are now, obviously, and all of that. And she just brings some great perspective. I also like that she had a few like prognostications for the season. Yeah, she you know, did. Some things, she so. came with yeah, it. Yeah, she did. Uh, good stuff. So we'll hear from Susie coming up in just a few minutes. But as we said, let's start first with the conclusion of basically training camp. We knew the Grand Park portion was over yeah. last week. 13 practices, including two practices with the Bears, then a preseason game against Chicago on Saturday night, and then with this practice today, a joint practice with the Eagles, that's it as far as training camp is concerned for the Colts, regardless of location before the regular season. Now, they're going to practice a couple of times over next weekend, but this is it. You have that, like, week between the final preseason game and then, like, the Labor Day break that's sort of like, like my father-in-law 
cannot stand in between time. Like, he has to have an activity at all times. And this is like the ultimate NFL <laughs> in between time. Such a like, tease, Like, Tom too. Bennett would not do well yeah. at. Tra- oh, training see, camp's over, but the regular it. season's still like 13 I, I days away. I think it's away. great because everyone gets like this little bit of like reprieve in between, right? I mean, like, everyone's still practicing and doing some things, but I do think it's a good bit of like a buffer period, right? Especially yeah. like for those within the organization, you know, you're you're looking ahead to the regular season, but you have a little time to kind of decompress from all of the activity. Training camp is such too, an though. intense too. Well, because it's like because you're not you're not you're not prepping for Jacksonville yet. Yeah. Like next week, you're not prepping for Jacksonville because you don't want to overload these guys. Yeah. So it's sort of like you're getting the fifty. I don't know, but I bet you are for especially like rookies. Like you know, you don't think that that's going to be a pretty critical time to like. But like you're not you're not like like, you're not like do you're not breaking down Jacksonville. You're not like doing game specific stuff. I mean, you're obviously your your goal is to get ready for week one, but it's not like. It's not a game week, is what I'm saying. Like yeah. coaches don't want to overload guys with by extending a game week. Yeah, that's that'll certainly come when those cuts are made next Tuesday, and then it's then it's on. But yeah. then it's not really on because then you have the whole Labor Day weekend, and then yeah. So September 10th, week one. It is so the good though Jaguars. from from the perspective of guys who need some time, yeah. you know, to just get healthy if they're a little nicked up from training camp or some different things that are like lingering, as we've seen in a couple of situations to get them, you yeah. know, as good as you're going to be going into yeah. the regular season. All right, let's recap joint practice number three and the only joint practice between the Colts and the Eagles last week the starting offense and defense they received roughly 70 plays in practice with Chicago I don't know what the number was today because practice got done a little bit earlier than everybody wanted it to because of a little <laughs> bit of a dust up a little bit of a skirmish a uh, fracas if around you will. yeah a little, oh. little fracas mm-hmm. you know practice was supposed to get over around noon uh, they ended up calling it around 11.35 after move the ball period. A kerfuffle? There was a Ooh, kerfuffle. kerfuffle. Yeah, a, that's good. A 150-man kerfuffle. It was so <laughs> quite, quite a large kerfuffle. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. But, J.J., what did the Colts get most out of three opportunities in joint practices between two different teams? For me, it starts with Anthony Richardson getting some different looks. The way Gus Bradley is going to play defense is different than the way Matt Eberflus plays defense, which is different than the way Sean Desai plays defense here with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I asked Anthony about that after practice today, and he said, you know, look, those looks that you get are valuable because now if you make a mistake against it, yeah. when you go into the regular season and you see that kind of a defense, that coverage, that front again, he's like, I, I hope I don't make the same mistake. But he's seeing these things for the first time in a situation where it's not, you know, do or die game situation. That's so important now that he can figure out, okay, if this play didn't go well, what's the answer on it? Or this play did go well, I found the answer on it. How might they now, what's the second answer? How might they, you know, counterpunch on it? And now I have to find the second answer. That stuff is just so important for him. And guess what, Larry? If he sees it for the first time, and he throws a pick six, which he didn't. But if he has Mm -hmm. a bad read or he makes a mistake Mm -hmm. or gets rid of the ball later than he wanted to or is behind the play in terms of accuracy, guess what? It didn't cause the Colts... Uh, a, a third down. Yeah. It didn't cost it them six points. It wasn't detrimental. Guess what? Yeah. It's a learning opportunity, yeah. and the Colts didn't lose a football game. And this is when you're talking about one of the more menacing defenses in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're not going 100% full game speed on this, but still, I think it is a really good opportunity to see two different defensive schemes, two drastically different sets of defensive personnel when you're talking about two days against Chicago last mm-hmm. week, and then within a seven-day stretch, you're going up against Philadelphia. I, right. thought, I thought Anthony in these joint practices he's I've seen him kind of check it down a lot which is that's a good play for a young mm-hmm. quarterback who still is seeing these coverages for the first time if you say you know what all right I, I don't trust anything that's here or nothing is there. You'd much rather ball, that than force it. Get the ball to Deion Jackson or, because you know, or whoever. And what just, he's already 
embraced is that he doesn't have to do everything himself. There are certainly opportunities when he is going to have to make plays on his own, right? We saw plenty of that, but for the most part, he is relying upon, like, I don't have to force things. I don't have to do everything on my own. Use what's around me, and when there isn't what I want to be around me, I have opportunities, and I know what to do. I think that's that's such a good point, because if he went into these practices and you saw him forcing stuff and really trying to push it, and you see tip passes, you see interceptions, turnovers, those kind of things, you might say, you know, you could write it off as well. He's learning, but I think the way that he's learned is that I'm just going to get the ball to the, to the running back or mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, you know, Josh Downs or someone who kind of just safety valve, safety valve, safety valve. I agree. While I'm figuring this out, I think that's a really kind of mature beyond his. Again, we talk all about how Anthony's mature beyond his years. That's a, a way to play quarterback. That, and look, the the other thing on this is Justin Herbert as a rookie when Shane Steichen was his OC, mm-hmm. he threw the ball to a, a running back. I think like more than any quarterback in the league that year just because he was checking it down and he was learning how to read the coverages. And uh, I think that that just the knowledge of, hey, I just I got to get the ball out, but not put it in harm's way, yeah. I think is really good to see out of him in these last two practices. And one thing I think that's an indication of is the growing connection that he's invested in making with guys both on and off the field. Over the course of training camp, these three weeks, when I've had a couple different opportunities to talk with, you know, Rookie pass catchers, veteran pass catchers. I've talked to Kylan Granson and Isaiah McKenzie and Josh Downs and all of these different guys, kind of all coming from different per- perspectives and experiences. And that's what I've asked is, you know, what stands out to you about, about Anthony? And they're like, he's very genuine and invested in wanting to get to know guys, in spending intentional time with guys in the locker room, with guys outside the locker room, talking to them about, you know, what they saw in certain plays, but also just getting to know them off the field. And sure. they just talk about how authentic and how genuine of a teammate that he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you are seeing that trust building and emerging on the field with the direction that he's taking the By offense. By the way, just the 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 one-on-ones today where where he wasn't reading coverage. Um, my goodness. I the ball didn't hit the ground once when Anthony was throwing it and Alec Pierce he took James Bradbury to school. James Bradbury. Pretty notable corner. Yeah, pretty good cornerback. Uh, he beat him twice in one-on-ones. One of them was deep for a touchdown. Um, I had I had uh, Josh Downs, Michael Pittman. Downs won multiple Downs reps. Had, uh, and Downs had yeah. a huge play uh, in the team period. Yeah, in 11-11. Yeah. He, he was really good nice inside play. the red zone, too. Uh, but I, the, I liked what I saw just in terms of competitiveness there, but also just that feel of Anthony now. Okay, we're in these one-on-ones. They don't tell you a whole lot other than competitiveness and chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I thought the competitiveness was good from the wide receivers and the chemistry was good from Anthony. Again, the ball didn't hit the ground when I saw Anthony throwing it in those periods. Yeah, seeing live. I know he's still wearing the red jersey, but seeing live blitzes, yeah, identifying where that stuff's coming from. And to your point, JJ, if you go back to the first joint practice against Chicago, there was that first seven-on-seven period. It was an overthrow, but yeah. he tried to take something that wasn't there. We all know the Chicago defense is the hallmark of it is limiting the big plays. You know, a safety picked him off, but the rest of that practice and the rest of the joint practices, he got a lesson in learning to take what's available to him and getting rid of the ball fast. It's precise, you know, getting more run with that first-team offense in terms of running with the same guys is going to be out there in the regular season, regurgitating the same plays over and over in the huddle. And going along with that, I think it's big to run the same play 
against three different defenses. Yes. yes. Or similar, yep. like yeah. kind of merry schemes. Okay, if, right. if Chicago's showing me this, we check to that. If the Colts defense in regular training camp yeah. practice mm-hmm. gives me X, I'm checking to Y. So having almost played three preseason games – to this point in training camp, mm-hmm. in reality, it's only been one in terms of a quarter of opportunity to play for Anthony Richardson. But these joint practices almost give him a simulated game three different ways, if you look at it yeah. Yeah. in terms of three different styles of defense. And to your point, Matt, this is something that I heard from Gardner Minshew last week that I think really well applies to looking big picture, looking long term at the possibilities of Shane Steichen paired with Anthony Richardson. I asked Gardner Minshew ahead of the game against Chicago, where have you benefited the most as a quarterback, having spent the last three years in a Shane Steichen offense? And he said, I've just learned a lot of good offensive ball from him, but what it's allowed me to do spending this time with Shane is to dig into the details, not just know the plays, but understand why we're running certain Mm -hmm. plays and what we're running them against. And I think that that's something, you know, to your point, it, it is. Oh, it's yeah. different personnel across those three different times, and he's had this just in you know one month span, yeah. and Gardner's talking about, oh man, the benefit of doing this over a stretch of three seasons, and what opportunity that creates, and that level yeah. of understanding. Alright, we know Anthony Richardson's going to start the game. Shane Steichen said that today, Tuesday, after practice. What does that mean for the first half? What does that mean for the rest of the starters on both offense and defense? What can we guess in terms of playing time? I would say the majority of the starters will play. Um, I think that you would be very careful with a guy like DeForest Buckner who returned to practice today. I think that would be, you know, a lot of guys came back today. Those will be very situational. Buck, Moelle, Cox, Cox, Drew Ogletree, all back today. So I think it'll be very situational. Like for a guy like DeForest Buckner probably doesn't need it Mm -hmm. as much as guys who are maybe in other different positions, right? Um, But I would say, I mean, I think when you look at how much Anthony Richardson played in Buffalo, I think you would see maybe a quarter even into the second mm-hmm. quarter. That was a little bit of what Shane had said on most of the starters going into that game. It'll be very situational, very case by case, but I think you should see at least a full quarter of football, and it would not surprise me or be any indication, good or bad, if you see Anthony go into the second quarter. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, you know, we've, we've said and we've heard over and over again that, you know, Anthony needs the reps, he needs the work with the first team offense, and you understand why you didn't do it on Saturday, because it you had got 70 snaps like you said mate you got a full game yeah. on Wednesday and Thursday but now you've kind of had a week between that quote unquote full game so you're sort of back on that schedule and yeah, get him those reps and you don't want him to go a full month between starts right preseason game number one at Buffalo, and then the next time he's yeah. your starting quarterback is regular season. August 24th at September 10th. No, August the 12th. Right. It would have been if it was just Buffalo. Oh, it would have been I, August. Yeah, I beg the, your yeah, pardon. Right. The, for the Buffalo yeah. game. Still, it's, it's still a long that's, time. Yeah. Oh, it's longer. It's right. one full month sure. between the first preseason start and the yeah. first regular season start. So that, to me, was, okay, you've got good opportunities. You didn't force it against Chicago. Didn't think you really needed to, right, because of the degree of work you were able to get to joint practices. But this is pretty significant. You got one practice today in Philadelphia, that's not going to overload any of your starters necessarily going into right. Thursday night. But I think it is kind of a good good way that you've split it up. And then he'll have that recent experience to, to get mm-hmm. him through the break, right? To mm-hmm. get him through, as we we're all talking about, that extended this Labor Day weekend. Yes. Yeah. And, and maybe a few people might be watching. Maybe Thursday night, primetime game, Correct. nationally televised opportunity, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. If you're wondering how to watch that game, uh, go to Colts.com and click on what will be easily the highest traffic article of the month of August. Yes. Which is how to watch Where and listen. Where do I find or this just, game? Or just listen to or it. Or listen to the radio listen broadcast. The radio broadcast. Uh, there you go. 
Yeah, good. Okay. Fist bump over there, lady. Fist bump over there, lady. Uh, it's good to have you back, by the way. It's good to have you back. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Gorman, he's always, a, he's always a pleasure. He's always a pleasure. You know, Gorman, Gormand. You know, we're going to turn him into a verb, but it's, it's good to have Lara back. It's good to go back it's to the A-team. good to be back with you guys. Absolutely. It's really good to be back with you guys. Well, it was fun to play TV for yeah, two weeks. You yeah, know? now but you're slumming it down with the villagers Never. here. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's, the, the there's some cool nuances of, of radio that often get overlooked, like, this is going to be way into the weeds. But Let's like, do it. You, we, you can, at any point in time, because of the structure of the radio broadcast, may take and toss it down to me without any need for preparation. So Clara, go. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's much more um, It's much more fluid. It's much more, you know, kind of yeah. just this ongoing conversation. And even when I'm not mic'd up where no one is hearing me, I'm still relaying information to you. So I feel heavily involved, and we're all having this ongoing conversation over the course of the game, whereas TV is more produced, right? You have mm-hmm. to have a camera where you need it and you have to have mm-hmm. enough time and you have to get to breaks and it's all much more structured. So yeah. anyway, so that's why no radio is so it. much fun to Yeah, get it's like into. air traffic controlling. Lara, are you, when are you going to land? All right, go. go. Take off now, go. Yeah. No, but a guy that we think has a really good chance of playing on Thursday night against the Eagles, that's Quiddy Pay. Third-year man out of Michigan looking to capitalize off of last year post their career high six sacks, ten tackles for loss after practice today. We chatted with Quiddy about going into year number two under the Gus Bradley defense. All right, we're joined now by third-year defensive end Quiddy Pay with us after a joint practice in Philadelphia against the Eagles. Quiddy, for you, most beneficial-wise, what did you get out of today's joint work with Philadelphia going into that preseason game? It was really good, you know, to be able to play up against one of the best O-lines in the league. Um, you know, just getting reps against them, just prepping for the season. Uh, we, we, we won't play them in season, but, you know, it's good to get a good looks against you guys. Yeah, you went up against Lane Johnson today, mountain of a man. How much better did he make you? What, what kind of benefits do you get in a joint practice setting working against a guy like that, so good, so consistent, and he's a pro bowler? I feel like a lot better. I feel like him and uh, Braden Smith kind of have similar um, blocking techniques. They're real patient guys, and they're real large, and then they're real strong. So, um, you know, just – Working up against them, working on my power moves, getting off, um, working games against them, it was, it was good. You know, you look at these joint practices. You had two with Chicago, mm-hmm. one with Philadelphia, plus all the preseason games. Yeah. How much more ready do you think you physically are going to be for the regular season because of these joint works? I think a lot a lot more ready than last year because we got to see new looks. Um, last year, you know, we only got one joint practice, but to get two, I feel like extremely beneficial for our team to just see different looks, see different teams, play against different players different playing styles, different offenses, different defenses. So I think it will just prep us for the uh, the season even more. You know, like I said, you're going into your third year. Mm-hmm. In, in what ways do you think you're ready for your best season yet in the NFL? I would say things are just coming to me more easily. Um, watching film, just picking up on uh, keys as I'm playing. You know, I'll pick up something as I'm playing, just, you know, just noticing the small stuff uh, and, yeah, just improving every single day. Do you think – things are slowing down for you a little bit just in terms of compartmentalizing I should say everything in real time yeah I think last year uh, I was just more confident this year I feel like um, you know I could recognize stuff I could just see a formation and know mm-hmm. what plays can come out of this formation and, you know just just knowing stuff like that and do I see a spin move too 
Oh uh, yeah, in yeah. your repertoire. Yeah, you know, I I had a pretty good spin move against the Bears, and uh, Ballard yeah. was telling me, you know, just keep keep trying to keep working new moves and just be more confident in, in your moves. That was kind of my big thing when they Ollie too was just right. trusting my moves, working my moves, and just going with it full speed. You know, some defensive coaches don't like you turning your your back to the defense or the offense, yeah. I should say, at all. How do you know when? is the right time to whip that out? I think uh, when you have the two technique to my side, I know that B gap is pretty much open. And, you know, when we have the um, the the hot side away, so, you know, just, just knowing that B gap is going to be open for me. I know the guard in the center is going to double on my two technique. That B gap, yeah, I could take it upfield and spin back underneath. That's Quiddy Pay with us now. 44 sacks for this defense last year. Mm-hmm. That was second most in franchise history. Yeah. What tells you that this defensive line, this pass rush, can duplicate that and do one better? I think it will be a lot better. It's the second year in this front. A lot more guys are getting more comfortable. We added Samson, you know, coming from a different style. I mean, a different team, but with the same style front. Um, you know, the guys are just hungry this year, you know. Um, we have a lot of guys that can rush, rush the passer, and mm-hmm. it's really a competition. We're competing every day to see who who's going to get on those third down rushes. So we're just improving every single day and just trying to get better. A guy like Samson Ebicom comes over in free agency. He's got a different skill set, right? Uh-huh. He's got a different repertoire. Yeah. He's a veteran in this league. Mm-hmm. How much do you take from him? How much do you continue to learn and grow from your teammates? Anytime he's speaking, you know, I'm all ears. Yeah. Uh, he was over there with a bunch of great rushers. He was with Eric Armstead. Mm-hmm. He was there with uh, Nick Bosa. You know, and that just that D-line coach over there. It's good to just hear different philosophies, mm-hmm. different uh, style of plays, different ways how D Limes uh, set up their moves throughout the game and you know he's he's extremely um, knowledgeable on pass rushing so uh, anything that I can learn from him I just learn. Five games last year unfortunately you had to miss out due to that injury yeah. but this camp You've been all ball. You mm-hmm. haven't missed a single snap. You haven't missed a single day. Yeah. And, and what ways do you have to keep yourself available? How, how much time and energy goes into taking care of your body so that you're physically out here every day? It's a lot. It's like 24-7. Um, last year, something I had to really grow up on was it's not just getting ready while we're getting, you know, going into the game stuff. Right. It's getting ready every single day, every single night have my routine, every single morning have my routine, pre-practice routine, treatment, you know, everything that I could do to take care of my body, I do it. And, you know, I'm extremely hungry, bro. I've missed so many games my first, my second year. Mm-hmm. I missed a week of camp my first year. We could miss a week of camp my second year. This year, you know, my big thing, I'm just so, I'm starving right now. It's really just get back on that field and just, you know, prove myself to this team, prove, you know, our GM right for uh, picking me in the in the first round and, you yeah. know, just, just doing my, doing my, uh, 111 and just trying to prove every single day. You know, that's something I don't think people realize. I mean, even even in February, even in March, right, when it's not the off-season workout program, when you're not in season, those are the days you're not taking off either. Those exactly. That's included in taking care of your body at the highest level. Exactly, yeah. You know, doing uh, hyperbaric chambers, right. um, hot yoga, Pilates, um, anything that I can do to get better, man, boxing, anything I can do to improve my game, I'm doing it, bro, and I'm just, I'm just trying to be here for the team and just be my best self. Yeah, another guy, that's Quiddy Pay with us, another guy that's going into his third year for the Colts, Daiwa Dangbo. Same mm-hmm. draft class. Mm-hmm. You guys are really tight, same position. Yeah. How have you seen collectively yourselves grow together and feed off of one another going into your third years? I think us together just being together all the time. You know, we're constantly picking each other's brains and, you know, when we watch film, we'll watch film and then we'll come together the next day and be like, oh, um, did you see this on film? Sure. You know, you can work this, you can set this up here. Um, and just stuff like that. And Dio is extremely smart too. He just knows ball and, you know, just to be able to be together, grow together and just see him come along. Uh, you know, he missed majority of his first year, but to be able to, um, 
you know, coming to a second year and to take that big jump. And this year, I feel like Dial's going to turn heads this year. I feel like no Dial will ball out this year. A lot of people don't really know his name, but after this season, a lot of people will know Dial's name. You know, you study a lot of film. You study a lot of film on yourself, mm-hmm. your opponent, but you're also watching a lot of edge rushers around yeah. the NFL. How much film study do you do just to pick up bits and pieces of other guys' game? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll watch a lot of film. I watch a lot of film um, on other teams that run the similar front. Like, the Eagles will watch. Yep. We'll watch the Browns. We'll watch the Jets. We'll watch the 49ers. The Texans will run this front because um, – the D.C. from the 49ers is not with the Texans. So mm-hmm. um, it's the Jets, there's a lot of defense that run this front and a lot of teams that do it well. So just picking their brains, seeing how they do, how they overlap, how they rush. Um, yeah, so it's just it's, it's fun to watch, honestly. Final couple of things with Quiddy Pay. This last preseason game against the Eagles, and then it's the regular season. But for yeah. you, what are you trying to get out of this last preseason game before it's for real? Um, we're going up against the, one of the best teams in the league, you know, if not second best off of, sure. you know, last year's uh, season. But um, just to be able to go up against the best and, you know, do our thing, try to ball out this this game, because if we could ball out against them, then who else is holding us back? So for us, you know, just kind of trying to go out there and just, do our thing. Like you said, you're ready. How eager? I know this is a silly question, but how ready are you for the regular season? Seems like training camp of the preseason. Yeah. It's been going on for a mm-hmm. while. Yeah, it can't come. So- it can't come soon enough, man. We're just ready to get out there and you know put the game game jerseys on, game pants on, and go out there and ball out for real. Awesome, Quiddy. Thanks so much for the time. Best of luck, and we'll see you in the regular season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. That's Quiddy Pay from earlier today after the Colts joint practice with the Philadelphia Eagles. Quiddy, he's a lot going into this year in year number three. Samson Ebicom's going to make the squad. We talked about Dio Adangbo in that uh, interview. He's going into year number three as well. That takes us to the next part of this podcast, roster locks. As we said, every team's going to have to go from 90 guys to 53 players next Tuesday, 4 o'clock Eastern time, August 29th. Who are your roster locks as of now here in the following position. So I'll give you my locks. Obviously, that's up for debate. We can interpret those, and then we can talk about the guys in the mix and how you see this going down here. So my locks at defensive end, since we just got done talking with Quiddy Pay, I got Quiddy making this team, Samson Ebicom making this team, and Dio Dangbo. Obviously, you're going to keep more than three defensive ends, mm-hmm. but are you going to keep five? Are you going to keep six? That's always kind of the the rough math in terms of the roster mechanics right there. But I've got locks because I'm kind of up in the air on everybody else because I don't know who is 110%, if you will, solidified to make this team between Al-Kadeem Muhammad, Taekwon Lewis coming off another injury. Titus Leo had some really nice moments the other night. He had seven tackles, uh, pass defensed, a sack against the Chicago Bears. Khalid Kareem's playing really, really well, a veteran player out of Notre Dame. So how do you guys see this? Any issues with my locks? And is anybody else of that group that I just mentioned worthy of a lock going into the final preseason I th- game? I think you can probably slide Taekwon Lewis in there. Okay. Um, you know, it was good to see him back on the field on Saturday, a guy who – I remember talking to Nate Ollie about this last year. You know, a guy who he trusts to play every single spot on that defensive line from one tech to nine tech, you know, wide nine. And, um, you know, yeah, he's dealt with some just horrible injury luck the last couple of years and has, you know, worked his butt off to get back out there. But a guy who the Colts really value, they brought him back. I mean, they, they made sure to keep him here uh, even as he's rehabbing his injury now two years in a row. Um, you know, if he's if he's 
cleared to play, I, I think he's he's on this team. I think Alkadi Muhammad, there's a reason you brought him back, right? I think that he has such a veteran presence. Uh, you are so familiar with him. He's been a playmaker for this organization. So I think that he certainly makes a strong case. I have also been really impressed in flashes from Titus Leo. Yeah, um, yeah really, another good day today. I mean, I, thought, I think he's just really been really solid, you know, and there are a lot of, I mean, I think there have been more days than there haven't when it's like, oh man, who who just made that play, you know, and then you're looking at him and it's like, oh, 91, yeah. right? Like, I think that you've seen that frequently over the course of camp that he is making you take notice, and that's something that Shane Steichen said at the end of media availability today when he was asked about kind of what you're looking at from this final evaluation opportunity, and he was just saying, you know, competition. Yep. Like, go out there, compete, and make plays. And I think that, like, if you look at a guy who has embodied that since day one of camp, I think Titus Leo has certainly done that. His, his upside at that spot, just his athletic profile, um, you know, he's a guy who played, I think uh, he played offense until he got to college at yeah, Wagner. He, and then yeah. he, oh, that he was played wild. safety. So he played. He only played edge rusher the last two years yeah. at Wagner. He was recruited as a wide receiver. That's right. Yeah. Started his college career as a safety be- before moving to outside linebacker and then down to an edge rusher. Remarkable. He was his conference's Just a natural progression. <laughs> he was his conference's defensive player of the year two years in a row, and Wagner was the only Division One school that recruited him. And now here he is. I mean, he's making plays yeah. at the beginning of camp. I mean, I'll just raise my hand. At the beginning of camp, you know, you're memorizing all the names and numbers and, and schools and universities in terms of where these guys came from. You know, the first couple of days, I'd see number 91 out there, and immediately I thought of Unique Ngakwe. Yeah. I don't do that anymore <laughs> yeah. because yeah. Titus yeah. Leo has been that yeah. good, yeah. and he's flashed that much. Yeah, he's, That's been he's really, been really awesome. cool to see. Yeah. All right, let's go to tight end. Here are my locks. I got Mo Alley-Cox. I've got Kylan Granson. By the way, as you said, J.J., Mo is back today. Uh, Kylan Granson. Jelani Woods. Those are my three. In the mix, obviously, Drew Ogletree. He was back today. Another good sign. Will Mallory continues to stay available, dating back to late last week. And Farrell Brown. Two things in play here. Who's healthy? Oh, yeah. All right, so we got some good news. We've got a couple players back today. That's one. And then how many can the Colts keep even when guys are healthy? Who is separating themselves to make this team? And and how is Shane Steichen going to prioritize the skill sets at this position. We talked about it at the beginning of camp. This was the most difficult position to kind of whittle down and predict, and I think we're still there. And ex- Exactly. I was going to say, it's not like we got a ton of clarity purely because of availability Injury. over the course of camp, you know, which has just been really difficult. I, I almost, like, this isn't even for the sake of argument. This is just kind of how I feel because of the time that we have had or lack thereof. Kylan Granson's really the only lock for me, I, I mm-hmm. kind of think, in, in all of that conversation. Because he's the only one who's been out there. That's what he's you're getting at. He's the only one who's been out yeah. there. Right. So I think I could see a case That's made. Fair. I That's could fair. see a yeah. case made to keep any of, of that combination that you could possibly throw out there. It's it's almost like the, you know, how many different Rubik's Cube combinations right. are there out well, there? That says how many combinations of tight ends you can So not, not to skip ahead on the, the rundown, but your next one is the wide receiver debate. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a debate between these guys and the wide receivers. Right. It's not a debate of who makes it among those those tight ends. The, yes, they're competing with each they're other. They're all but contingent. Like how many wide receivers right. is contingent upon how many tight ends, vice right. versa. And vice right. versa. Right. So I could see a world. And some of these tight ends can play wide receiver sure. if right. you need them to. I, I could you see know, a world. They're big body guys. I could see a world where you keep five Kylan tight ends. Kylan Granson was a wide he receiver. Was. <laughs> so yeah. was Drew Ogletree. Um, I could see a world where you keep five wide receivers and five tight ends. On this roster, I could see a world where you keep six receivers and four tight ends. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know there are those are both very much 
in-play scenarios for this team as you kind of figure out the you know the the mechanics of how you build out the rest what, of the what are the odds you only keep three tight ends i think pretty low yeah i think uh, it's yeah i think low. i would think it's at least four and one thing worth bringing up that i want to serve up to both of you is looking at steichen's offense and the way he does like to utilize tight ends or has in the past what indication does that give you of how maybe well, he prioritizes the personnel of that group i think i think if you look at what he did in philly it was a lot of 11 personnel, so three wide receivers, one tight end. Mm-hmm. But he also had Dallas Goddard, who was one of the best Y tight ends in the NFL. When you have that established top-tier Y like a Dallas Goddard, it allows you to be in 11 personnel most of the time because you don't necessarily need the you know another tight end to go block for the run. And you also have a great offensive line. That also helps, right. too. Um, so how he views... I think it's probably a little – it's going to be interesting just with the personnel he has. But the thing that we know about Shane is that he is going to fit his offense to the personnel he has. So if he decides, you know what, we're going to be a really good 12 personnel team. We're, we can live in that as our base package, and that's with Kylan Granson and a Y or whatever it looks like, we'll go that route. If he thinks our base, our best offense is 11 personnel with Josh Downs or Isaiah McKenzie on the field most of the time, then we're going to live in that, and we'll have one tight end out yeah. there. But I don't know where he's leaning – on that necessarily. Also, too, it also comes down to special teams. Are you going right. to get oh, yeah. more? Yeah. Are you going to get more out of special teams from a fourth tight end than you would a fifth or a sixth wide receiver? As of right now, I think that answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Because you look at how Ashton Doolin's injury has sort of complicated mm-hmm. how we look at the fifth wide receiver it's position. Some wrinkles and everything. It, it yeah. certainly has. I mean, we know about the top four. You know, those are Pittman, Pierce, Downs, and McKenzie. Those guys are making the team. But then your fifth wide receiver, how many targets per game are you going to get? Mm-hmm. Right. How much involvement do you, do you have within the offense? And also, too, Mike Strawn to this point in his career hasn't played a ton of special teams. Mm-hmm. Neither has Brashad Perriman. A little bit. I looked it up last, last week You know when, when Doolin went down. Perriman, he's never been a, a true core special teams guy. He's played a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's got like 47 career snaps on, on special teams, which is – Basically nothing, considering he's been in the NFL since 2015. But he did do it a little bit more last year. He was asked to do that. That's how he stayed on the roster in, in Tampa Bay. So he, he can. Um, but I tell you what, the guy that keeps on making plays. Amari Rodgers. Well, him, Juwan but also Jawan Winfrey. Yeah. Just because Winfrey is a bigger, bigger. bodied mm-hmm. receiver. Because, again, if you're playing a game right now, you feel pretty good complimentary-wise between McKenzie and Downs sure. in the slot. But you might need that bigger body guy if something happens yeah. to either Pittman or Pierce. Jawan Winfrey's making it really hard to cut him. He's yeah. played. He's played. He's played. Uh, it's not a ton, but over his career, 15 games, 132 special team snaps. That's certainly more so, than those other guys. Right. So he's got some experience doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he he's a guy who you're you're absolutely right, mate. He and he made a couple plays today uh, in practice that were pretty impressive too. He had to catch down the sideline and then had a touchdown. Um, yeah. working, working with Gardner Minshew. You know, going into that Bears game, you know, Joe Wright's on the radio now. We were kind of talking pregame. It's like with the, the Doolin injury, it, it's really hard right now because up until that point, you know, you had the last couple of wide receivers and 
you know, had this bucket and no one was really emerging from that bucket. The last couple of days, Jawan Winfrey mm-hmm. is starting to make some plays. So that's good to see in terms of, of players starting to emerge and, and maybe a bit, be a little bit of a head and shoulders above some of those other guys that you, they're competing with. You know who I do think has made the most of each of his opportunities when we've seen him? Will Mallory yeah. is somebody mm-hmm. who, and I think you saw that on display in that game against Chicago a bit when he was in there for some pretty significant, uh, for a pretty significant stretch of time. Uh, saw him make a really nice play today, uh, connecting with Gardner Minshew in the, in the end zone. Um, he's somebody who I feel like keeps making you notice that he's on the field. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of what you need to do at this point, right? You that's know, what it's all about. Guys, you, hey, that's what this week's all about. Your last ditch effort. Are you you know? Do you do something that? leads you to say, yeah, he, okay, you showed me something there. Let's go back and watch the film and really evaluate where he's at. Yep, that's yeah. where we're at right now. All right, let's talk about the Colts on a national scale. Visit, as we said, with longtime NFL reporter Susie Colbert. Lair and I chatted with her as she was the host of the uh, Colts kickoff luncheon late last week. Her thoughts on the Colts going into a new era. Shane Steichen's here. Anthony Richardson's at quarterback. Here's Susie Colbert at the Colts kickoff luncheon last week. Joining us now, longtime NFL host and broadcaster, a veteran across both college and the NFL, Susie Colbert, who is this year's featured host for the Colts kickoff luncheon. Susie, so great to have you here in Indianapolis. It's, you know, usually we're seeing you in February for Combine, and there's excitement for a particular reason around that season of football, and now excitement because the regular season is shortly upon us. When you look at this new era, of the Colts. You look at Shane Steichen with the fourth overall pick, Anthony Richardson. What do you see as being the trajectory of this team for the upcoming season and what the expectations will be? You know, one of the most fun things I think about being invited to to share the kickoff of the 2023 season with the Colts is how much this team is in the headlines. And for a team that struggled last year, for there to be that much excitement about a team is really fun. And I think everybody knew that when the Colts took Anthony Richardson fourth overall, it wouldn't take too long. That's sort of like a, an ongoing, it was always an ongoing joke with Mel Kuyper Jr. and I, you know, the draft analyst, that you can say that a quarterback is going to need time to develop, but it never works out that way. And it was, it was bold and it was great to see uh, Coach Steichen and Chris Ballard be all in and make that decision right away, see all the things they needed to see, not just the skill level, but maybe even more important with Anthony Richardson, the work ethic, checking all the boxes early on, the poise that they've talked about seeing. So, you know, people aren't, I don't think necessarily giving the Colts a chance to do a lot this season. I don't necessarily see it that way. And with all the depth and experience that, Shane has with getting great production out of young quarterbacks early on. Why not? Why not? Don't you think it really comes down yeah. to a lot of it is is going to be the offensive line and mm-hmm. they were obviously struggles last season, but if the offensive line can put it together and give him just maybe a little bit extra time just so we can process just a little bit longer, why not? Shaq's back on defense. The defense, uh, listening to those guys, it just sounds like they're they're energized and the chemistry is great. So, I'm 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 the eternal optimist always, but 
Why not? In covering the NFL from a national platform, you've been able to watch Shane Steichen as a coach working his way up from the Chargers organization and then the great success that he had. You mentioned the success that he's had with young quarterbacks. When he was hired, what did you see as, oh, this is a really good fit. Shane Steichen is going to find success with Indianapolis. It starts with the quarterback. You know that you're going to have to develop a young quarterback and all the pieces and all the ingredients that go into that. Mm-hmm. I, I plan to have a deeper discussion with him about that, and I don't think he's going to reveal all the elements. And I think he's done a really good job of keeping whatever his scheme will be under mm-hmm. wraps to this point. But it's, it's simplifying. It's know-how to, right. to really play to your young quarterback's strength, put all the different pieces around, not try to do too much. You know, don't lose games. You know, not, don't try to do too much that, that just makes it overwhelming for your young quarterback. But obviously he was such a great pick for a team that, that knew yeah. where they would be drafting and, and this is the plan. A, a team that obviously after just a number of years of, of veteran quarterbacks and it's just so nice to see that it's an all-in for continuity. Susie, you've been covering this league for a long, long time. You've seen ups and downs from rookie quarterbacks, young guys trying to make it in this league. What do you expect it to look like with Anthony Richardson early on in the season? And you just kind of mentioned it. How important is the support of the veteran locker room presence on this team from guys like Shaq Leonard on defense, DeForest Buckner, but the offensive line all kind of coming together to help Anthony through those highs and those inevitable lows too. Isn't it great to hear what his teammates have had to say? Just the steady improvement. I think that's all anybody really wants to see. And day by day, improve Mm -hmm. each day. And and then obviously there's going to be highs and lows and to see Anthony make a mistake, throw an interception, whatever the case is, but show true poise and bounce back off of that. And of course, they they see the work ethic. They see the whole, you know, the cliche, first in, last out. Yeah. That that's what the teammates want to see. And I and and just the knowing. I think you know the some of the the most difficult cases have been when when coaches are undecided and they waver or you know they just overthink when's the right time to put the young quarterback in and it's great that that they've seen enough and of course every day at practice his teammates are seeing all that right so for everybody to know that you know the the brass is convicted we should be convicted too and and hearing him in the huddle and listening to his confidence grow, all of those things, you know, can can really galvanize a team, which it's what it's all about. It's it's understanding that it is a team. We're not expecting a rookie quarterback right. to carry the team. It it is a team, ultimate team game. You know, Susie, we know about the Jonathan Taylor situation, right? Still on PUP. He's a definite playmaker within this offense. Outside of him, when you look at the Colts and study them going into the season, is there anybody that kind of jumps off the page for you in terms of being a a big playmaker for this team? Guys that can take those next steps and compliment Anthony Richardson. Kylan Granson. Okay. Right. Yeah, definitive, right? Definitive that that – Every practice, he's just so consistent, and you can see the confidence and the development. And you think of who's the the 
quarterback, a young quarterback's best friend. And if he has that outlet, and and it sounds like Granson's really separating himself from a long list of tight ends that are on the roster right now, somebody like that who's just really coming on and, and just he's just got great energy and just kind of bring that great energy to the team. And I'm kind of excited to see the first touchdown. What's that, what's that celebration going to oh. look like? You're, you're, th- you're three without a touchdown. I it's mean, you, time. Yeah. It's time. How about we make a prediction that, that that's Richardson's first touchdown Oh, pass. I like that. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> a- 83 will like to hear that, too. Long time coming for him, for sure. Susie, you mentioned the defense. And I think one storyline that kind of got lost in the conversation when Shane Steichen was hired was the decision to retain Gus Bradley. And obviously, those two have rapport. They'd worked together previously. And I think that that was pretty significant in terms of Shane walking in and knowing who he had on the defensive side of the ball and also a veteran coach who has experience as a head coach as well so as he's navigating his first year as an NFL head coach he has that presence on the opposite side of the ball a second year with the Gus Bradley system obviously this defense was disappointed last year allowed far too many points and didn't have the takeaway numbers that they wanted what type of step should you expect given Gus Bradley in a second year with the majority of his defensive playmakers. Continuity is continuity. Continuity yeah. is everything in the NFL. And people might look at, well, there wasn't success last year. There were so many factors that went into that. <laughs> and 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 I don't know if Shaquille Leonard gets the credit he deserves for three-time first-team All-Pro. Mm-hmm. I'm proud to say I was happy to vote for him as one of the voters each year. And just not just the energy he brings, but the, the turnover machine, the, the one-man wrecking crew, that whole thing that kind of brings a whole defense together. So what was nice to see is that uh, Shane can put ego aside to understand that as a first-time head coach it's great to have the support of a Gus Bradley or a Jim Bob Cooter of guys who have have so much experience in the league mm-hmm. to have that and and not want to just start from scratch to, to keep know at least on one side of the ball you have complete continuity and understand that there was a lot that went into the struggles of last year and look at that and say nothing's more important than keeping this group together yeah. let them get let them already be ahead of the game when we get started that they already know the system they can play faster you add those few pieces you get the secondary figured out no doubt. you know and yeah. they can really hit the ground running that that will also be the young quarterback's best friend for sure last one for me as we kind of step out and go big picture Susie you look at the AFC the amount of parity that exists within this conference and now you have the young quarterbacks in the mix like Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud what do you make of the Colts and the hierarchy if you will in the AFC just talk about all the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs that have really good quarterbacks that are really good teams in this conference that's going to be a jumbled mess throughout the entire year I had a front row seat for the Jags worst to first run yeah who thought and it happens every year that was going to happen two first round picks in a row Mm -hmm. and everybody looked at it as a rebuilding year and if if they could do it if they could go from worst to first, win the division, and win a playoff game, why can't the Colts? In that sense, some of that parity is, you know, you can argue whether it's good or bad, but every team always feels like at least they're in it. And I just think right there in the division is proof that a lot of it is luck, a lot of it is injury. Things can can go go your way. The schedule isn't isn't a killer, even within the division. 
team has to play the the AFC North. That there's you know there could be <laughs> there, could, there could be some tough stuff there. But overall. I don't think you can look at the league now and say that things just can't be kind of wide open. In mentioning the Jags, how spicy is it? Week one, Colts, Jags at Lucas Oil Stadium. So let's just come out with all the fireworks and the expectation. Susie, thank you so much. Thank you for coming to Indianapolis and sharing your time with us. You have set the standard for the profession in so many ways. So thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. Always love coming here and always a fan. Thanks. That's Susie Colber. We talked to her right before the Colts kickoff luncheon last week. Very nice of her to spend a few minutes with us. You'll be seeing her. You'll be hearing from her. You can't keep a uh, you can't keep the good ones down, Lara. Is she's going to be back and she's going to be front and center very very soon. She just does. She's so great, and I think too, it's not just the great work that she presents that everyone sees, you know, from a national platform, but it's how well respected and well regarded she is among the NFL circles. Good people. Like, yes, yeah. completely. She's yeah. completely just a consummate professional, and you know, somebody who just has always has just done it right. You know, always does it the right way. Mm -hmm. All right, let's close out with some Philly talk, guys. um, Beautiful city, right? Good people. It's always sunny. It's always sunny. You know, you got you got Mac, you got Charlie <laughs> down there brewing up something in the, in the basement. We uh, uh, we bringing riot juice to the Phillies got, game got, tomorrow. You got Frank. <laughs> Frank is he's he's the investment guy, right? He's always <laughs> Frank is he's always bankrolling whatever okay, wait, kind wait, of wait, shenanigans real, real, we're getting real quick, into real here. Because I, I think we're all fans. What is your favorite episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, Rum ham. It's got to be the rum ham. My, mine is the gang beats Boggs, where they try to beat Wade, oh, Wade that's Boggs a classic for drinking too. beers on the cross-country flight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Listen, as, as Boss the, Hogg, may he rest in peace. As, as the commissioner as the commissioner of this league, <laughs> I feel my responsibility to sweep this under the rug like Bud Selig. <laughs> okay, that's keep, my responsibility. They keep, they keep saying Wade Boggs, may he rest in peace. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Wade Boggs is very much alive. He's very much alive. <laughs> is that my blood bucket? You got a toe knife in that blood bucket? Um, uh, I got your milk steak boiling just the way you like it. <laughs> I, as a sports fan... I've never been fond of, of Philadelphia. That the fans are kind of, you know, we know the stereotype of the fans. Flip, flip, flip. Okay, hold on. Okay, so you're okay. Real quick, but I'm a Reds fan. Sidebar. The Phillies kill the Reds okay. every year. Uh, real so. quick sidebar. Real quick, Philly fans have that stereotype of like they're loud, they're brash, they're gonna yeah. boo. You know, they're they, gonna they boo the Easter Bunny and Santa. They're Claus gonna be in your at face. The vet. Right. But so okay, so me stupid. I decided to give Matt Conti a little bit of gentle ribbing <laughs> about Philly fans getting soft because I saw that they gave Trey Turner, who is hitting like 202 this year, a standing ovation. Like, hey, we're still behind you, Trey. We paid you $300 million. You know, good. You're, you got it. You're good. You're good. You're good. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, what? Philly fans threw batteries at J.D. Drew, and he didn't sign with them. <laughs> like, they boo Santa Claus, and you're cheering a guy because he's hitting 200? Okay, yeah. great. You're getting soft. So this was dumb because it was the day after Tim Anderson of my Chicago White Sox got Oof. rocked Oof. in the no. face Oof. by Jose no. Ramirez. Yes. And even worse for my timing is Zaire Franklin was walking by. Yep. So Matt Conti goes, this oh. is great timing. Yeah. Z, hey, come it, over here. Come, come over here. Talk this, this, this White Sox fan's trying to say that <laughs> Philly fans are getting soft. How's your shortstop's jaw doing? Oof. And oh, Oof. I was like, I shouldn't have brought this up today. No. I deserved every yeah. second of that. Time and place, man. Time and Terrible. place. No, but what I'm saying is, let's go back to the beginning of our conversation here at the top of the podcast. Lara, what is the proper way to consume 
a cheesesteak. Okay. I have been doing it all wrong, I think, now. When I, I go to Penn Station, okay. they laugh at my order. Why? Well, I don't I also I wouldn't necessarily going. to Penn Station. I think well, that's where, where else am I supposed well, to get a cheesesteak? No, no, no. There, there's the place that uh, Zaire has his Hoagies cheesesteak. And, Hoagies and Hops. Hops. Yeah. Shout out to Midtown. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. A little out of the way. A little oh, bit of a jaunt for me. It's on your way to my house, so you just come yeah, on over. We'll fine. meet. You know? Let's get takeout. We'll eat yeah. it at Lara's you know, front table there. Um, so I'd never had a cheesesteak. What did you get last until, night? What was on it last, last night? night? So in terms of ordering decorum, you can't call it a Philly cheesesteak because you are in Philly. There is You don't have to designate that it's a Philly cheesesteak, right? You just go mm-hmm. and you order a cheesesteak. Yeah. Right? I don't need to say who's so, your tenderloin cor- when yes, I'm in correct. Indiana. Yeah. So you just say you want a cheesesteak. Right. And then um, I got it Zaire Franklin style, which I had, had <laughs> mayo, mm-hmm. ketchup, mustard, what? Onions what? and peppers. An American cheese, right? It had it had cheese. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but yeah. Uh, so, so and it was like I'm not a big sandwich person like at all, but this was phenomenal. It was also from like my elbow to fingertip. <laughs> like it was a massive. Give it. Give a shout out. Sandwich. Give a shout out to the joint that you went to. Del Sandro Steaks. Oh. Del Sandro's in Philly. Right. Yes, it was incredible. So this is Here's the, the Zaire bread. told you to go there. Yes, though? the right. bread was incredible. Yes, it was decadent. Did I mean, the bread have good integrity? Was it not soggy? Oh no, 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 we're not doing, we're was, not doing the soggy. No, bread, no soggy not, bread. It was not soggy. It was not like stale. Like I mean, this place was packed, line wrapped around the block, and everything came out absolutely hot, fresh. Ooh, bread chef's was kiss. fresh. Yeah. Oh, it was well spectacular. Done. So I, I declined to go yesterday because I can't eat cheese i dairy you can get it without cheese but so but you can't like, eat a cheese steak it's, it's without called cheese. a cheese steak i yeah. mean they do have, okay. they do they do just do a steak like i'm sure steak. i'm sure i could have yeah. but i was sort of like i don't know it seems you know kind of embarrassing to be that guy but i then i was thinking does cheese whiz have like real dairy in it cheese components it's in like a dar a jar <laughs> no 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 so, way if that thing that came that is squeezy cheese that there's no so chance there's lactose can, in that i would like i would like, I would <laughs> like, sits, I would like it sits on the counter or like out on the, the I would, shelf i would like to do a reading not of in a the fridge in, by the way i would not, not in i would, fridge. I would, that I would a that's yeah. yeah i would like to do a reading of the ingredients in cheese whiz and see if you guys think there's dairy in it <laughs> oh boy Ingredients: modified milk ingredients, yes. water, yes. cheese oh. in parentheses, milk ingredients, modified milk ingredients, bacterial culture, salt, calcium Ooh. chloride, color, microbial enzyme, lipase. End parentheses: corn maltodextrin, salt, sodium phosphates, sodium alginate, ground mustard seasoning contains celery, lactic acid, Oof. sorbic acid, Oof. color. I'm gonna say no. I don't think there's actually milk say in no. that. I could probably eat it and be totally fine. Yeah, I mean, I, think I don't. You'd yeah. be totally no, fine. no. I just said I could probably eat that and be totally fine. I just let you know yeah. bacterial culture. <laughs> that would be totally that's, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a roll of the dice. I'm willing to take. It wouldn't right upset my stomach based on me being lactose intolerant. It might no. just for other yeah. reasons. Just because it's not food. A hodgepodge <laughs> of ingredients. Right yeah, there. because the uh, <laughs> the ingredients read like a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Like, it's the same. Hundred percent. You know. Yeah, that's like a chemistry exam you just yeah. rattled off right. Right there. I Who think came up fine. with this? I don't how, know. How did this get invented? I don't know. I, I want the ability to shoot it into any <laughs> any dish on command, right? Oh my! What's yeah. what's a better consumption? Is it is it whipped cream or the you cheese know whiz? What? As you a know kid? what? The, you know what I loved as a kid? Cheese whiz on triscuits. Yes, any type of cracker. Oh. 
Oh, yeah. the, the Triscuits in particular, because oh, they're always by the so way, dry. Yeah, like, the the people, people also ask for Cheese Whiz ingredients. Are, is Cheese Whiz real, real cheese? Okay. Is Cheese Whiz almost plastic? Is Cheese Whiz <laughs> vegan? No. Is Cheese Whiz processed food? Is Velveeta cheese one molecule away from plastic? Every word coming out of your mouth <laughs> makes me not want to ever eat Cheese Whiz again. Or I mean, Cheetos, if it were, or if it were on anything. This che- if it were on this cheesesteak I had yesterday, you would not even give it a second thought. Let me tell Damn you. Damn good, huh? Damn. Yeah. Name of the place again? D'Angelo's. Del Sandro's. Del D'Angelo's is probably not. I'm really, I mean, you guys, if steaks. you lose me tomorrow during the day off, right. you can track my location. I guarantee right. you will find well, me there. We're, go- we're going to the Phillies game. We are. And the good news is that to tie it back into a sunny references, they're going to be uh, mobile tickets, so we won't leave them on a coffee table <laughs> while our apartment's getting fumigated. <laughs> it won't be game of, one of the World we'll Series. We'll go in such search of Chase Utley. I thought Mac was a little kid. Did you run a love, love, love letter to Chase Utley? Yeah, that does look like your ex, Charlie. That looks like your ex. you got a love affair with Chase I apologize to Utley. any listener who has not watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> right. but you should. You should go I don't think That's it. what yeah. you should do on the week in exactly. between football games. Watch it's Sunny. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think Rick Venturi is watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but <laughs> Rick's breaking down he is. Breaking right down now. game like, film right now. We're going to do that. We're going to recap the joint practices. He's talk looking about at the Eagles Browns preseason game from last week. 100%. <laughs> That's Hell yeah. exactly what he's yeah, doing. He's, he's, he's three tapes in on nose tackles right now, and we love it for him because <laughs> we're going to dive into that brain of his, dissect it all coming up tomorrow the on Inside Bowl. Football. The Employment Bowl. That's the second half of this game. It's That's all out what of he whack. calls it. Yeah, we're going to have starters, but then in the Employment Bowl there in the second half, kind of the best of both worlds right there. So that's coming out you on Wednesday. you got to tell Rick, though, he can't get too excited because the second half is the only time I get to do interviews, you know? Yeah, so. we, we, got, we got to have your interviews. Poor, poor is going to have no time. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll get some time on September 10th. We'll, uh, we'll we'll definitely do that. All right, Colts Daily Updates are back this week on Wednesday. No Daily Update, obviously, on Thursday with the Colts playing the Eagles that night. Then on Friday, a recap of everything uh, preseason-wise and joint practice-wise and training camp-wise with JMV on uh, the Colts Happy Hour. Also, we'll hear from players and Eric Edholm from NFL.com is going to be on that show starting at 6 o'clock on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And then Instant Reaction, we're thinking that's on Friday morning, right? It'll be Friday morning. Bill Brooks and I are probably not doing the that's 5 a.m. Okay. taping that's after okay. a preseason game. No, we'll, Apologies. We, uh, everybody understands. JJ, you got up around like 4.30 this morning for this practice, as did Lair and I. So we're kind of running on fumes, a little slap happy here, doing some It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia references. But that's okay. A day off tomorrow for the Colts. Preseason finale on Thursday night. Kickoff is set for 8 o'clock between the Colts and the Eagles. WRTV Channel 6 in Indianapolis will have that game locally. You can also watch it on a national scale on uh, uh, Amazon Prime. And then our flagship station in Indianapolis will have the game. 93.5 107.5 The Fan. 97.1 Hank FM. Lair is back. Rick Venturi's back. The network will have it as well. The Bell Tire Radio Network. Uh, CheckColts.com for the nearest radio affiliate in your area. But that'll do it for the Philly edition of the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. For J.J. Stankovitz, Lair Overton, I'm Matt Taylor. Well, we're going to have fun at the baseball game. Football coming up on Thursday night, and we will talk to you next week, next Tuesday, when the official Colts podcast drops here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.